Well, it's got the hat backwards, doesn't it? Well, we now induct Leighton into the Australian Tennis Hall of Fame. This bust will be placed alongside all of the other Hall of Fame inductees in Garden Square here at Melbourne Park. And on behalf of Tennis Australia and the wider tennis community, congratulations to you, Leighton. No one deserves it more. Well played. Yeah, great moment for Leighton Hewitt last night. My good statue. Liked it. The hat backwards and uh, thoroughly deserves. Hard to believe it's 19 years ago since he reached the final at Melbourne Park as we welcome in Brett Phillips. Morning, BP. Yeah, hat backwards. Uh, very fitting, uh, Jules. Very fitting indeed. So, yeah, we knew that was uh, coming. They do do that part really they well do. at the Australian Open, honouring uh, a great of the sport. And a lot of them uh, obviously return every year and sit in the uh, presidential reserve there and enjoy uh, enjoy the tennis. So, yeah, obviously gave so much and, and still you know, giving so much to tennis. If Andrew really had a better career, would if he had a statue with a ripped shirt? <laughs> No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. He's become a little bit of a recluse, Andrew, really. I've, um, yeah, he, he's, he's not one that um, is, is sort of right there at the epicentre of tennis still. Uh, I think I think he was a report to you know, Hong Kong or Bali or somewhere. Doing I think some... he is overseas somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that, there, that moment, I closed my eyes so I can, so I can see it forever. Absolutely. Hey, just on Leighton, uh, we saw Cruz... Uh, Hewitt playing the other day. Uh, what what's sort of the the buzz around tennis about Cruz's future? Yeah, well, he's won a couple of uh, junior tournaments last year, uh, both uh, abroad and obviously the Hewitts have moved up to I think the Gold Coast is where they were. So he was training at a KDV up there, and um, you know there are some people who uh, think you know should he be given wild cards into things anyway? Let's that's the whole wild card debate, but. Um, look, he's developing. Uh, he's really shot up, uh, as you will have seen. <laughs> For those that took in a bit of the ceremony last night with the family photo, he is uh, he's, uh, he's a tall boy. And I watched his second-round match uh, here just to get a feel. It was show court three, absolutely packed out there, which is great. Uh, he's not overawed by it all. Um, he was just not quite good enough. First time in a junior main draw, so he's only 15. And he's, um, he's developing. But, I mean, he's been around the scene, hasn't he, since he was knee-high to a... A grasshopper hanging around uh, Leighton, the other Australian players, going on trips. So he, um, it's just a perfect lead-in to what I suppose he'll hope will be um, a really good career. I mean, no pressure to emulate what his dad has done, but tennis is in his genes. And, yeah, I suppose we're really keen, particularly the next two years, just to see how he, uh, how he tracks um, you know, towards the back end of the, you know, the junior stint of his career. It hasn't really been a sport over the years, tennis, has it, BP, for father-sons or... Um mother-daughters, even though Lindsay Davenport's son is playing as well, but it hasn't been big sort of uh, passing it down through the generations. No, there's, uh, you know, just thinking off the top of my head, I mean, we're Casper Root here, Christian, his yep. father, who's his coach, uh, played uh, on the tour. There's obviously the quarters, mm-hmm. um, and there'd be, uh, there'd be a few that just escape in my mind as we speak, but yeah, not, not, uh, not constant, uh, like we see probably in footy uh, here, but yeah, it's uh, it's something that probably tennis players actually get to the end of their careers and they try and steer their kids away from tennis, uh, knowing what they've uh, been through. It's a bit of a, it's a, I mean, the riches can be great, but it's also a tough sport to try and uh, try and make it, as a lot of players have found. Absolutely. Uh, before we get on to previewing the women's semi-finals uh, tonight, I must admit I didn't see that result coming last night with Carlos Alcaraz. A, because the way he was playing in the lead-up and. Fair of a couple of matches was pushed right to the brink in those fifth set uh, ten point tiebreakers. Uh, was it a shock to you to see him get done? 
Well, it was a shock the way he probably played. It was uncharacteristic of Alcaraz, particularly the unforced errors. Um, I mean, he's an offensive player, but yeah, some sloppy uh, games, which really cost him. You know, his first set got away quickly. Suddenly, two sets to love. We expected him to rally. You know, he played some brilliant shots in the tiebreaker. He was clutched there and won one break of serve in the ninth game of the fourth. So, could have easily gone to five, but... Yeah, Zverev. Uh, look, we always know when Zverev's serving really well, and he, you know, if you're getting 80% plus first serves in, you're not getting a look at too many second serves, which means you're a little behind the eight ball in the rally, and and uh, he's such a good, competent net player as well, uh, Zverev. So he just moved well. He, he he played the sort of tennis we know he's capable of. I mean, he, he, he was world number three, and he's won everything in tennis bar a Grand Slam, uh, big session Zverev. So, yeah, I sort of like... Um, you know, all these different generations. And Djokovic at 36, the young backs are getting a lot of the publicity. And we've sort of forgotten about Medvedev mm. and Zverev and Tsitsipas and co. And maybe it'll circle back, you know, to them having a window that we thought mm, not totally closed, but getting harder for them to crack. So who knows what it's going to look like over the next uh you know, period of time. Yeah, great performance last night uh, from Zverev. We'll preview the men's semi-finals tomorrow, but on paper they look absolute beauties. Zverev v Medvedev and Sinner versus Djokovic. Uh, it's not a real contrast, isn't it, in the semi-finals uh, tonight? You got uh, a match between two ladies that have been there and done it: Coco Goff and Arena Sabalenka. I just get the feeling when I listen to you speak, BP, you've still got little lingering doubts about Sabalenka in these big matches. Yeah, we saw it in the Brisbane final to start the year. I mean, you know, she was so good up until the final against uh, Rebakina there. She just tightened up and sprayed balls and lost her mental state and just couldn't recover. I mean, she can sort of laugh this stuff off these days now that she's a Grand Slam champion. So she's sort of got the monkey off her back. And, you know, she's been the most consistent of all the top-line players. I mean, there's six consecutive semifinals. So she's always there at the business end. But, yeah, she does have the capacity to implode at times, uh, and she plays big, and it's big and bold and brash when it's not on, and uh, the opponent is is starting to you know figure all that out and make life difficult. That sort of game style can um, you know be conducive to to errors and uh, not quite you know being on songs. So Goff, I think, is the one who can really really trouble her. She's been pretty much flawless bar one match, but challenged and reset. So that's a sign of her maturity. I, my my feeling is looking at it. I, I really like Coco and what she's doing. I think she disrupts Sabalenka tonight, and it's got a way on her. Those three semi-finals uh, last year, where she just didn't get it done in winning positions too. So um, yeah, I've, I've got Goff there. But it, it, look, you always feel like the you know the game's on Sabalenka's racket. So if it's really on tonight, it's you know it's like a tsunami coming at you. So it could be you know, tough to stop. I guess at this time of the tournament, in a way, if you haven't had that much time on court, it's it's a good thing in terms of the physical side of the game. But coming up into a big semi-final against a quality player like Coco Goff, the fact she hasn't been challenged at all through this tournament, does that actually not help going into a match like tonight? Mm, I don't know. I don't think it makes too much of a difference, to be honest. I mean, you beat who you beat. You um, you know, it, it, you go about your matches... I mean, she's so well uh, conditioned and you know played in all these big matches. I don't think it. I don't think it's a disadvantage uh, to her uh, at all. Um, she's played enough big matches across uh, her career, Sabalenka. So uh, yeah, I think she'll be primed, uh, ready to go, keen to you know make amends. You're defending, you know, the title from last year. That means a lot to players to come back and defend. And yeah, it'll be high stakes. So I'm sort of trying to get a visual of what it's going to look like and. 
you know, will be there in the booth and up close and personal and studying the body language and the movement. And, you know, uh, they both, uh, you know, they're both in good nick this tournament. So it, it should be a quality hit out where, you know, one player is not necessarily going to have it on their, on their terms the whole match. Yeah, whoever wins will certainly be the favourite for the final. So the other semi-final, Yastremska is a great story, as we've spoken about uh, through the fortnight so far. And Chung from China, uh, the world number 12, looking to become the second Chinese woman to win an Australian Open behind Li Na. It's a, and it's an amazing run she's sort of had. She hasn't really played anyone inside the top 50, and she gets to the semis, mm. and she's still not playing someone inside the top 50. No, and sometimes the draw just works out like that and um you only can beat who you, who's in front of you and but what we do know is that uh, she's no flash in the pan so she's gone quarterfinal us now to the semi-finals of the ao and the next slam so she's emerging as um a player who can become a, a regular top 10 player not just in for a little brief period and fall away and get forgotten about uh, if you have sort of uh, know her whole journey to get here uh, coming through the chinese tennis system over there i mean it's it's sort of been built for you know uh, the big stages, really, and uh, and inspired. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, ten years after Lee Nara uh, saluted. So, yeah, I love the way she came back last night because she was the favourite against Kellen Skyer. And um, like Coco Goff, you know, you lose a set, it's not the end of the world. The good players just work their way back and back themselves in. Yastrzemska, uh, though, look great tournament. You know, it's nice to see her back up there again because she was great to watch when she got to 21 and. Yeah, she's carrying. She's doing this more for than herself. I think that's that's huge. Uh, this means a hell of a lot to her for her country, uh, which is driving her. And yeah, it might just come down to small margins tonight. Zhang, for me, I think I've said it all week. I'll stick with that. Um, yeah, I think you know she's the one that's the most equipped out of all those players remaining when we started the week to make it through to the final. So is this for Yastremska? Is this a bit of a one-off sort of tournament for her? Or given as you said, she was ranked just outside the top 20 a few years ago. Like Chung, do you think she can go on and and, and have a really good career and, and get right up the rankings? Well, I feel like she's rediscovered her game. She really struggled, um, you know, post-COVID, uh, the doping suspension, to find her best. I, mean, I think last year she didn't, did not beat a top 20 player. So, yeah, the fact she started this year like this uh, is, is a credit to her uh, for, you know, not sort of getting dismayed by that and falling away uh, totally. And, you know, she knows that she's got the capacity to be uh, a good top-line player. But, you know, if, it's, it's really hard to get a form line on the women's rankings. Uh, you know, players sort of peak and then they drip, uh, drift away. There's always a pack coming up underneath who are so keen to, you know, get to the top that makes every match so hard forward and it comes down to, you know, execution, particularly in those early rounds when the seeds are there for the taking with these fearless young players that are coming through the draw. Um, but, yeah, look, the tennis she's shown, um, you know, she should be at her age now too, you know, mature enough that, okay, I know what to, I know what it takes to win. You know, top 50, to stay in the top 50 has to be the minimum. So for you, it's going to be you predicting a Goff for Chung final? Yep. yep. I think so. I think that's the way it's going to pan out. Although, you know, Rena could make me look silly and be three love up in about five minutes uh, tonight and never be headed. So but it's on her racket. I feel like it's always on her racket. And sometimes it's good. And sometimes uh, it really lets her down, her game style. Yeah, it should be two great semifinals. Uh, BP, enjoy. And we'll be back tomorrow to preview uh, what looks on paper to cracking men's semifinals. Uh, enjoy the women's semis. Pleasure. We'll be on, uh, yeah, 7 o'clock tonight in the bunker. Nice and cosy in there, Jules. Magnificent. Uh, Brett Phillips with all the action from down at Melbourne Park.